then you start to get this this feeling. You start to get this, you know, what what in life is actually going well for me, and am I just coasting, or am I actually doing something great towards something that that means something that I can share with somebody, whether that's your kids, whether that's uh, somebody you love or somebody you care about, and so. Now I, I feel like when I wake up every day, I, um, I'm right where I should be. Hello, I am Joel Ingram, and this is Crisis to Crush It Podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk, and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today on the show, I have Troy Rice. Troy Rice is a husband, the father to three incredible boys. He coaches them all in sports. He's mad for exercise with up at 4 a.m. lifting weights, followed by hot yoga. And he reads a substantial, well, actually overwhelming 30 books a year. He's also the founder of FarmBrig, an agricultural technology company that helps farmers run sustainable farming businesses while creating ease in local food accessibility for consumers. And he's all over schools. I mean, Troy, welcome to the show, man. Good to have you here. Thanks for having me, Joel. Love it, man. I love having these conversations. Appreciate the intro, too. No worries. No worries. So tell us a little bit about what you've got going on right now. Yeah, yeah. So um, so really, it, it all started with my wife and I. We have this extreme passion for a better food life for our kids. And I think a lot of parents can relate where you introduce all these sugary snacks and all kids want to eat is snacks, snack this, snack that. and so we struggled with our kids and we, we were determined to find a better way. And so after eight years in the corporate industry, I did a a lot of finance and accounting work and I built some cultural programs for a $2 billion company. I just wasn't happy. And I finally decided that I was going to do the two things that I love, which was agriculture and education. And so I just got uh, really determined about understanding uh, local food supply chains particularly in Michigan, which is where we reside, and figuring out what it looks like in institutions and why um, some institutions struggle with bringing in healthy food for kids. So we uh, went marched down that road, started meeting with a lot of people in the food space, and uh, built, within six months, built an online uh, farmer's market platform where we are, uh, in the state of Michigan, I think the third third state for the most farmers markets in the United States. And so in six months, we were able to launch our online marketing model in 22 markets, supporting over 65 farms and food producing businesses, basically where a consumer can go on there, similar to how they shop um, any type of grocery store platform or Amazon, add farm food to their cart, and then show up at the market for an express pickup. So we tried to build convenience into uh, local food accessibility. That's and fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I, I spent I spent a lot of time uh, traveling out to farms and sitting at the kitchen tables. I've heard some crazy stories, um, and mostly just sat back and listened. Um, I spent a majority of the time just saying, "What works well, what doesn't?" Because how can we help support the farming community? Because we know that. If we want more uh, local food and we want more access to it, then we need to f- support the foundation. And so we really focused on what the farmer needs. And so behind the scenes, even though we uh, uplifted a farmer's market model, 
we slowly started building out this resource log uh, where farmers need help in uh, farm workers on, on the farm, equipment experience, um, marketing. A lot of farmers are excellent at growing, but they struggle at business side about marketing and everything. And so we tried to figure out how we could help in that space and help them truly think about running their farm as a viable business um, so they can stay in business for long term. And so what it's turning into is uh, we've paused on uh, scaling out the market business and we are in the development phase of building a uh, resource platform that will help farmers run sustainable businesses. And what's neat about it is all the resources on there are going to come from the farmers themselves, because what we heard is farmers love to hear from farmers. And so all the content and resources will actually come from other farmers in the area. So if you're excellent at growing carrots or whatever, that farmers have an, an opportunity to provide information on how they've been growing carrots for years. And then a, a farmer can go on there and learn from that. Um, we're gonna build online profiles of farm helpers in the area. So that way, if a farm helper wants to jump around between farms or wants to showcase their experience, we can help farmers tap into that. Because today, they hire people, they leave, and then they, they're strapped with growing their business because they don't have anybody on the farm. And so we wanted to build this network that connected the people that love working on farms and have the expertise to the opportunities. And so that's just one area um, that we're gonna really focus on. But what excites us is besides the consumer model and the farmer's resource model, we're also building out food literacy programs because a lot of people just don't know about where their food comes from. And when I give talks in schools and I say, did you know that that item in the grocery store traveled 1500 miles to get there? And doesn't, do you have any concerns around the nutritional value at that point? Um, they have no idea. They really don't. And so we are going to focus on food literacy programs, including interactions with chefs and um, other agricultural companies to really help educate uh, parents and, and consumers on where their food comes from, why it matters to have local farming, not just because of the food, but because of the soil matter uh, and preserving that. And so we're building this ecosystem and um, it takes a lot of effort and work because there's a lot of players involved. Uh, but I, I'm dedicating my life to to figuring this out and so we're going to build this system model and hopefully uh test it out run it well and then uh pick it up and lift it and put it in other states in the united states and see if we can start growing local food sustainability across the united states um and so that's that's kind of like a long-winded way to explain what we're doing with farm bridge um and then you mentioned speaking in schools i i uh you know, to and we can get in deeper on this because I just love digging in, but um, I grew up bullied as a kid. And uh, I know a lot of people can resonate with that. Um, but I, I share my story not from the feelings of being bullied, but from the feelings of understanding the perspectives. And so to be a bully versus being bullied and how they may or may not come from the same place and how you accept bullying and, and why you would bully somebody else might be because you're both insecure. And so I write a lot about sharing those perspectives, um, but I also share it because I'm an avid believer in habit change. And I know Joel, you're, you're a big follower of uh, James Clear and I love James Clear, um, but I talk a lot about how as a, as a kid and 
particularly in middle school and high school um, students, what they do at that age will really shape their life for the future and the habits that they build. And so for me, uh, being bullied in, in elementary school um, all the way up to probably about sixth grade actually built this mindset for me where I would seek validation. And so it became in the shape of form of what do I wear to school or how do I act or what type of music I listen to all the way up to when I was an adult, I would step into the corporate world and it was what could I do for other people to appease them? And so it got me to a point where after eight years, I would come home and I would just be so unhappy because I was doing everything for somebody else every single day of my life versus doing things that I cared about which I feel if you do things that you care about, then you're really offering tremendous value to the world versus doing things just for others. And so that's why I chose to, to pick up on the speaking businesses. I, I truly want middle school and high school students to have the right mindset so that they can build great character habits, authenticity habits, um, to be able to allow them to grow. To, to lead with that growth mindset. And you know, Carol Dweck talks a lot about this in her book, Mindset. But it's so easy in a traditional institutional system to live a fixed mindset life. And I, my goal is to go in there and break that down. And there's a lot of people uh, out there that are, are very curious in this space. I know uh, Seth Golden, Golden and his All-MBA program is really challenging that mindset too um, of getting people to really think about what's possible instead of just thinking about uh, doing something that others validate with a test or a grade or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And so my mission really is to go out there and just really inspire these kids to know that they are great and that they're doing greatness and to just be mindful of the things they do now and what that translates into the future. Where, where do you think that comes from, actually, that, that need to seek validation? Yeah, I think... <laughs> we all have this so, so Tony Robbins talks a lot about the six human needs and so I try to break it down in perspective of as like human beings we we have this desired need to fit in it's a connection and love feeling and so for some of us that might be desired as like a social conformity so when I wake up what's the best way that I can feel love or connected today and if you're somebody that is very emotionally connected maybe that love looks and feels different maybe you're somebody that looks to always give someone a hug, right? When you, when you see them, or maybe you're just somebody that's always looking for that seek of, seek of approval, right? And my, when I walk into a room, like, are people okay with me? And that's really not how life should be, right? You should walk into the room and you should be like, yeah, this is who I am. That's who you are. We're both awesome. And uh, I have a poster in the back room that I always share when I get on conversations that just says you're freaking awesome. Because a lot of people forget, I mean, so we get so busy in life that we need to remind ourselves um, of how great we are and, and we're okay. And so I think it's difficult because we have that need. We have that need to connect with somebody, but we don't really have that need to, to make sure that it conforms to everybody else. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah. I think, I think that poster, I, I did clock the poster earlier on actually. Um, but do you think, to get to the point where you can say that and believe it, then needs to that something needs to happen. You need to be doing something to look at that, say it, and believe it. And what what yeah. do you think that is for you, or what was it for you? Yeah, I mean, for for me, um, 
you have to figure out what you care about. Because if you can't figure out what actually aligns with your core values, then sometimes I think we struggle with what can we do in life that actually makes us happy. And it didn't happen for me for 30 years. Um, and it, it wasn't until I was 31 where I actually sat in a room and I said, enough is enough. What do I care about? And so I finally put time to myself. And I would say most people go through their days and they don't give themselves time. Like just the thought of like sitting in a room by yourself, no distractions, no devices, smartphones, and just saying, I'm going to give one hour to myself and just think about what I care about. And the moment I did that, my life changed. And, you know, when you and I were talking briefly before, you know, you mentioned you, you start to put that, that passion, that feeling out into the world, and then it kind of comes to you. Yeah. And I, I believe in that. I mean, it happens. Like, you just, just take that, that moment to yourself, and you'll just be surprised about how many people just kind of come knock on your doorstep because they care, and all of a sudden, your guys' missions, your missions are aligning, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. So something you just helped me realize there, and I just had a conversation with somebody else before, before yourself around this. I've noticed exactly what we just said. But I, I wonder if, you know, sometimes it is that the hustle, the hustle porn where like, you know, grind, grind, keep going, keep going. And I always used to have trouble compartmentalizing the grind versus letting it be easy. But what you've just helped me realize and a way for me to structure it in my head, and I, I'd like to get your take on this as well. Yeah. How, if, if, if it was easy, then it wouldn't be a grind. But it wouldn't because, because you're enjoying the process. Is, is that something you've noticed for yourself? Yes. I actually I went through this mindset today because I, I started building this technical plan for me where I was – I'm going to send 30 emails to 30 local school principals and sharing my story and seeing if they're interested for me to come share it with students. And then follow that with a personal note mailed to them the next week as an additional touch point. And then the last step is uh, a phone call to follow up on it. And when I got up this morning, I thought about that and I was like, oh, I still got to get 10 emails out. I still got to get uh, all these letters addressed. I still have to place X amount of phone calls and immediately I got overwhelmed to the point where I couldn't focus on anything. I was just sitting there in, in a room doing nothing. And so it wasn't until I finally just, you know, stood up and said, all right, what is really an expectation that I should be setting with myself? And how about I send five emails and I address three letters and I make two phone calls. And if I do above and beyond that, then that's still great. And so I think sometimes we think about, we get excited about what we want to do and then we bring all of it to the table right away because to get it all done as fast as we can and see success is what we're, we're hoping to get. But when you build something great, that's not how it happens. You know, it happens step by step by step. And so uh, I think, I mean, to, for me, it's a constant battle to think through that every day because to be able to get to a place where I imagine or I envision and what I always share too is like my vision is is most likely something that I will never see the success of but I'll see uh, little droplets 
for success towards it. And then maybe hopefully someday my, my kids will get to pick it up from there. And so I constantly have to bring myself back because I want to get to that point because I want to see it and I want to see it in myself and my family and, and everybody that supports us. Uh, but the real way is one step at a time. Yeah. I got a, I got a song about that. I won't sing it to you. Cause um, I, I don't yeah. know if they got it over there. It's called Apple and Onion. Have you seen that? No. No, <laughs> one of the songs is exactly that over and over one step at a time one step at a time you will find your way <laughs> I I what a fantastic message for kids so i wonder if we could reverse a little bit to the point earlier on when you first um, was describing what you're currently building and you you mentioned that you got to a point you was in corporate uh and you just reached this point of not being happy is it, is it, can you, can you tell us the story around that? Cause I mean, at, at what age are we talking here when you hit that point? Yeah. So, um, love talking about this. So I, uh, so as I mentioned, I started off in finance and accounting. And so the interesting story here is I, I went to college and, uh, was studying, uh, communications and oddly enough, I took a public speaking class. It was just like public speaking one-on-one, a basic class. And I was so terrified that I quit the communications program and went into finance because when I was a kid, and this is a fixed mindset thing, when I was a kid, my, my parents and all my friends told me I was good at math. And most importantly, looking back, is because I practiced math a lot. And, but because somebody told you that, I abandoned communications, went into finance because I was good at math in my mind, and graduated with a finance degree. It happened to be 2008. And there wasn't a lot of jobs in finance coming out of 2008. And so I started with a, an accounting internship, which then turned into really the next six to eight years in a finance and accounting role um, where I had the opportunity where I was a, a coach and a supervisor of a team of seven for a couple of years. And then I stepped out of that because I slowly, I think I slowly started to realize where I would be best in the world. And so I stepped out of a um, supervisory role and into an analyst role, which gave me freedom to build culture programs. And so this company I worked for lived in the, the old mindset and, and still does, I would, I, I would imagine, where it was more heavily about the metrics and only metrics. There wasn't any people components. And so for them to even think about developing leaders or cultural programs around letting people work from home and things like that it was so unheard of. And so I took the opportunity in those two years to build a team and then created a recognition program, a work at home program and a leadership development program for the, for this $2 billion company. And so it impacted 700 employees. And right. at that point, I was kind of in love with my job because I was getting down the pathway where I was being able to help people and I was educating and I was learning. But it all came to a halt um, when six to eight months within that period, um, I was doing literally my life is something that looks and feels like building culture programs, but I want this to be my full time focus. And so um, I would constantly have these year-end reviews that are popular in, in the United States. Um, and every time I had the review, it was 
it was always about, well, I don't care about what you're doing with the culture programs. You know, what are you doing with your analyst job types? I feel like you're carrying the white flag um, for the company. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, it's clear that the, uh, the leadership team doesn't uh, place a lot of emphasis on this. So do you feel like you're kind of carrying the program and hoping that it works? And I was at, at that point, I was like, you know what, you're right. I need to, to dig in deeper and figure this out. And so I wrote my own job description and I walked it into the president's office and I said, I believe this organization would benefit from a lot of the development programs for people. And I'm willing to dedicate my entire time towards that. And I said, I've wrote up what that would look like. Um, all I need you to do is tell me if you see this as value for your company. And he told me it wasn't. He said, this is not something that I want to put resources to. And so at that moment, um, I said, all right, well, there's got to be a better way. And there's got to be um, a space out there of, of people, or organizations that care uh, for these type of things. And so um, I always, I, you know, I was sharing with uh, Brian Morgan, who was on your podcast a few weeks ago, sharing the aha moment with him, which was, I was in Florida on a family vacation and I was so upset about everything because I feel like I was, I was trying so hard. And, you know, in my mind, I was trying to build the, the company of which I wanted to come to work every day. Cause I, I hate coming to work for a company and watching people walk into the office with their head down. And so it wasn't fitting. And, so I was sitting at a dinner table with my brother-in-law and I was just explaining all my frustrations, basically living in the fixed mindset that I come to know now. And he, uh, he wrote something on a napkin and he slid it over to the table to me and I flipped it over and it said, you are awesome. You don't need them. And it was at that moment when I finally said, what am I doing? Like I'm leading my entire life trying to help people, but they're not really in the same space. And I call that the aha moment because I finally took time when I got back to sit in a room and reflect on myself. And since doing that, launched an agriculture company and started speaking and writing and uh, was never uh, involved in any three, any of those three. So, so that, being able to do that must have been incredibly freeing. It was, it was, uh, uh, expressed amount of gratitude uh, i'll tell you that I and mean, then there was a there was a couple moments in there that i hit some breaking points um and you know, i i'm grateful that i have an awesome wife um that you know kicks me up and picks me up dusts me off uh especially even times with with running a, a new business and where i would just fall on the ground and be like well there's got like why is this not working or how can we do this? And like in a moment of like despair and, and depression. And she's like, what are you going to do about it? You going to sit there because you know that you got something great. So, you know, why don't you get off your ass and, and go do something. And I'm so, I'm so thankful for, for her because she, she is the person that, that I'm not, she's the, the one in the room that, that tells me um, what the truth is. And the truth is what we need to hear sometimes. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I think having a strong woman behind you is a key is a key factor. <laughs> Definitely, 
especially when that's going to support you. This this show originally started out as the the midlife crisis man, where it was about my journey to change what I was. And I love the fact you what you've just addressed, because um, so so often in life we can reach a point and we just we get there by default. There's been no, I mean, like you said, it's probably a little bit of people pleasing and just like you know default thinking with regards to I'm good at maths, I'll do that. Um, and I found myself in exactly the same situation. Um, so even though you had all that, would it be fair to call it pressure around you? Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I mean, so yeah, the reason I share, share my story with students is because I want them to get to that pressure early. I want them to be able to make that impact that they all want to make earlier too. Um, and, um, where I feel like we we get down this path, we're we're doing something great. Um, maybe we're making a little bit of money at it. Maybe people are giving us some recognition. Um, but at some point, like if it's not, it's if it's not in line with your blueprint, then you start to get this this feeling. You start to get this. You know what what in life is actually going well for me. And am I just coasting or am I actually doing something great towards something that, that means something that I can share with somebody, whether that's your kids, whether that's uh, somebody you love or somebody you care about. And so now I, I feel like when I wake up every day, I, um, I'm right where I should be. Like my blueprint is laid out and I'm taking a step on it every day. And sometimes I, I struggle with what to focus on. Um, but the one thing is clear is doing the things that I love and whether it's challenging or not, every time I wake up, it, it feels right. And getting to the point of, of having something feel right, really, really gets you up every day. I mean, I, I can't wait. And you mentioned it in the intro, but I get up at 4am to work out because I'm so pumped to get on with my day, man. I just, and I, I listen to books when I'm working out. And, you know, sometimes even like students and, and others would say, you don't listen to music. Like everybody listens to music when they work out, you listen to books. And I'm like, yeah, but that's because these books help me write. And then that helps me get further in life where I want to be. And that helps me help people. And, you know, getting up at 4am is just like something I do because I can't wait to start my day. And um, I shared a, a piece on, on LinkedIn about this too, which is like, even in moments where you have life changes. So we just had our, our third boy, uh, he's five months old now, but Congrats. that keeps us up all night. And there was a moment where we were up all night, my wife and I, and I had my alarm set at four and I um, didn't really go to bed all night. And my alarm went off at four and uh, she's like, are you crazy? Like you didn't even sleep at all last night. And I said, this is who I am. This is who I am. I, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to hammer this book out and I'm going to get a good workout. I'm going to go to yoga, get some, get my mind mentally ready, and then I'm going to hit the ground running. And uh, that's just, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, uh, hard work, a lot of fun. But it, it, you cut out then, you said hard work, a lot of fun. Oh, I said it's, it's hard work, a lot of fun, but it just feels right. And so uh, I think that's what keeps me going. Do, do you think the 
when you was on your way to that in that in that pressure pot where you was being sculpted and molded sort of driven to this point where you had to make this decision of which when it did happen it was sort of like the right move do do you have any advice for people that are out there that are maybe in that nine till five still not you know they're getting up they're plugging away doing something they enjoy but it may be not there yet with regards to or being able to you know with the commitments family and kids and mortgage and yeah what would yeah, you speak so, to them people so uh so this goes back to what i believe in around um habits and so um i was telling uh brian morgan about this because he <laughs> He thinks when I talk about habits that um, I treat it as like a superpower, like, uh, and I do, and I do. I told him because he's like, well, let me let me throw this perspective to you. Um, a lot of times people share that who you associate with um, is most important to help you grow, and he's like, but I feel like you would argue that building habits and habit systems would be the way to help you grow. And I said, you know, I. I don't disagree with the people you associate can help elevate you because who you hang out with and the experience that they have and the connections that they have will absolutely help you grow. But at the end of the day, when it's just you in a room and in this example I gave him, I said, let's call it you're traveling, you're sitting in a hotel room and you need to make a decision on, on doing something to grow your business yourself or whatever. Are you going to pick up the phone and call somebody for accountability or are you going to rely on your habit systems that you've built in on yourself? And I said, I believe in that if we build these systems in, then no matter what, when all the pressures and everything in life changes and it's just you sitting in a dark room, your habits will kick in and you'll still take that one step forward to where you need to be. And so what I try to uh, share with others is like, really, really think about the system because sometimes when we do things, we, we write out all these goals. And of course I write goals too. And James Clear talks a lot about this, but it's really the system because the goal is something that you can achieve within the system, but the system is what helps you keep moving forward one small step at a time. And so to build a habit system of doing something you love, whether you're in a corporate job, whether you're starting your own business, think about what that next step looks like and what a system of that looks like. Like if you want to be an excellent writer, don't just write down a bunch of goals of, well, I'm going to write 10 minutes a day and then I'm going to publish X amount of articles. You should build this system that says, I'm going to create an environment where I can write every day. And to be a writer means that um, I spend time on myself every day and whether it's good writing or not, I'm going to write. And maybe as a goal is I'm going to publish at least four of those, but to be a great writer just means a system of writing. And so what that does too, is it helps you, um, it helps you build a framework so you don't overwhelm yourself. So you don't say I am in a nine to five job today. And what I really want to do is become an author five years from now. And then immediately you start writing down what it takes to be an author and then you get overwhelmed because you're like, oh my gosh, okay, so I have to write this many times and I have to connect with the publishing industry and then I have to go do this. And then after year one, like you feel so much stress that maybe year two feels like I should just stay in my nine to five. 
And that's not where you want to be. You know, you want to be in the place where you've built this system, you're going to write, and it may take five years for you to get to that author. But as long as you're taking one step forward towards being that, you will get there and focus on that. And I just, I think there's so much power. And there was a, there was a little, I, I love this video. There was a kid that shared this video on YouTube called No Zero Days. And it's awesome. Um, it truly is. I mean, it's so black and white. It's so straight to the point, but it basically says, if you want to do something you love the rest of your life, you just wake up and you have no zero days and figure out what that means to you. And whether that means that you grow in a particular area of being a, a husband, a father, a friend, uh, a business, um, whatever that is, take one step forward every day and you'll be surprised at where you end up. I like that. No zero days. That, yeah. That's, um, I don't know, for some reason that just took me back to, um, have you heard of the MFCEO, Andy Frizzella? No. Check him out, man. Check his podcast out. I think he's stopped now, but he's, he's, he's still be on iTunes. Um, okay. He is super straight. Like, like, like unbelievably straight with the way he talks to people. A lot of, a lot of cussing too. But, <laughs> I mean, the guy, the guy transformed himself um, physically, you know, and, and business-wise, mentally, everything. You know, he's, uh, and, he, and he talks, originally, he sort of got under my skin, but over time, I thought, actually, when you can step back from all the swear and everything, there's a message here, and the message is powerful. Um, and, it's, and it's what helped me when I was in my early days. And, and I haven't gone back to listen, but there's probably lessons there now for me, having been a little bit further on in my journey, you know? Um, yes. But it's, it's, it's funny how we come across these people that just sort of help us on our way. And I think you're right. I think you smack on with habits because our life is a result of what we've repeatedly done. You know, and if we're not repeatedly doing something we want to be, we're never going to be there. So, uh, no. and I, I, um, you know, the, the story I jokingly share in schools is, uh, and it's because it resonates with so many people. But when I was a kid, um, I ate cereal for breakfast every single morning. And because I did that, I even built in a habit of eating breakfast at nighttime. It's like a snack before bed. And so all the way up to like the next 25 years, I would eat like almost two bowls of cereal a day. And I share how it changed where it was like, my wife and I did this whole 30 program and it taught me about what my tolerance were in my body. And I realized that dairy didn't sit well with me. So I eliminated milk and all of a sudden I eliminated cereal. I thought, well, okay, this is good. Cause I know eating sugar cereal before bed every night and every morning isn't really fueling my body. So, so I did that, but then we started bringing almond milk into our house and all of a sudden I started eating cereal again. And it, it brings me back to this mindset of like, you build something in you build that system like craving of cereal and the triggers associated to eating it and like being in the kitchen and thinking about breakfast related cereal and just if we break down our systems then we automatically lean into the our habits our bad habits and so i share that story because there's so many kids that are not only say like oh man i eat cereal every day for breakfast um but they start to think about like what they do every day they don't even think about and what would it actually look like if they did it for the next 20 years? Because maybe eating uh, cereal every morning for breakfast when you're 10 years old or 15 and you're active 
you probably don't even notice anything. But when you get to age 30, trust me, like when you slow down a little bit, that stuff catches up to you. And um, so it's just, there's just so much power in doing it right and then building in a habit of doing it right. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, I, that, again, that's what I've done. I was, uh, I was the same. I was uh, sugared cereal. Um, and and that was my, I got a default. So my, my default now is um, overnight oats um, with uh, like a teaspoon of peanut butter, some spirulina, and that's it. I, I only eat and a banana. And, and that's my go-to because then I've eaten and I feel my body. I haven't yeah. got to be thinking, oh, what do I, f-? that drives me nuts, right? I come downstairs, I'll eat my porridge, and I look at them the other, I say, what, what do you want, guys? Do you want the same porridge? Blah. And they're like, oh, I don't know what I feel like. And that's where you're left. If you don't plan it, you're left with your feelings or your mood. Yes. And that's where it can all go wonky. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, man. That is a great point. So tell us a little bit about this whole 30. I've never heard of that. The what? Did you say whole 30 or green 30? Oh, yeah, yeah. whole 30. Uh, sure, absolutely. So um, there's a whole 30 program out there, which is 30 by the nature of days. Um, so it's a 30-day program. But why we chose that one, and there's so many different diet fixes out there, but we chose it because the um, the intent of the program is not to – um, make you lose weight and do all these things. It's actually to help you understand what your tolerances are. And so a lot of the times, like, unless you have like an extreme allergy, um, we would call it a tolerance. And so maybe eating peanuts or something isn't an allergy of yours, but your stomach it struggles to digest it. But if you go for a long period of time of eating peanuts, your digestive system builds figured out how to handle it and so I thought that was fascinating when we were reading about it and so we tried it out and so what it is is it's all raw food so they give you a list of only raw food you can't eat anything processed no dairy and things like that or any type of things that would cause an, uh, an allergen and so we eliminated that completely and then the idea is after the 30 days you introduce all those foods back that you used to eat and so I would introduce peanut butter back in and milk back in. And I slowly learned things that made me feel terrible. So I would eat peanut butter, which I loved growing up as a kid. I would eat peanut butter and immediately feel miserable. Like my stomach would hurt and everything. And then I would drink uh, milk or eat cereal and my stomach would hurt. And so I slowly learned that I have a tolerant uh, intolerance for, for dairy and for peanuts. And so I've eliminated those things and I feel great. Like I don't feel you about your body and everybody's going to be different. Everybody's body's going to be different, um, but it'll help you understand maybe what you eat today that doesn't make you feel good or doesn't give you motivation or, or um, yeah, energy. Yeah. We've, we've been dabbling, or my wife's been dabbling with veganism. Um, I'm not sure if I've gone 100% vegan but certainly, you know, into the vegetables, and uh, I think I've I think I've had meat once this week, and I was fish. Um, but it is once you get into the, the the diet thing, and you start looking at what you're fueling your body with, which is how how I now look at food. I never used to. I mean, I'd be smashing pizzas and Chinese and Indian, and you know, I'll, <laughs> you know it's just uh, cider and and all sorts, don't we? Um, without any contemplation of 
the future, uh, the, the results, like you, like you, exactly like you just said, when you're eating cereal for breakfast, and, you know, for the evening meal, when you get to 30, stuff changes. Uh, I was 41 when I had that awakening and it, and it caught up and I was a lump. I was a big boy. Um, but now I look at food as, um, it's, it's, it's fueling the system rather than eating what makes me feel good even though it doesn't make you feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's so true. And, you know, if we, building in habits early on just makes it so much harder later on when you when you get to that point, you know? And so we, we, <laughs> we're looked at, and I'm okay with this, but I'm, I'm the bad dad. Sometimes I give him a spinach salad and he gets mad at me for it. Um, but, and he'll go to school and he'll sit next to his friends and his friends will have like all the processed food, you know, some kids have like pop tarts for lunch and it baffles me that parents are giving pop tarts for lunch, but, and then he'll close every day for lunch or how come so-and-so get all this. And I said, Kellen, you're going to thank me later someday. And you know that, you know, mom and dad still give you, um, you know, rules and treats and stuff like that. But if I can help you understand better habits now to help, but I'm probably going to be that that parent for a while even though I, I feel like I shouldn't be that parent because I feel like everybody should help their kids eat a little healthier but um yeah I mean you, yeah you know you know better you do better so it's difficult isn't it because yeah and when you've gone you it's, it's it's difficult because you're fighting society's norms you know yes. it's it's it, it is tricky yeah my mother had an eye opener the other day she'd come down the house and my daughter who's embraced this vegetarian slash veganism walked to the fridge, stuck her hand in the bag of spinach and just walked away and started eating it like crisps. You know, and then my boy came out yep. the kitchen, my youngest one who's seven, you he got a wrap and he went in the fridge and got some veg, chucked it in the middle of it and just started eating a wrap. And, you know, it, she was like, they're just eating spinach and vegetables. And I was like, yeah, it's what we're doing now. We're trying yep. to show them that we're trying to fuel, we're trying to fuel them in the right way so that they're not, because they're becoming more, my daughter's becoming more aware. She gets bigger, like she's 13, 14 now, so she's becoming a young woman. So they got a lot of changes going on anyway. So, uh, you know, it's, she, she, uh, she, I don't know if she does, because she's quite strong, but I'm guessing that there, there may be elements of comparing to friends. And I, and I think she's really embraced this, and I think it's going to make a change for her. So it's happy days. Okay, let's, let's, let's get... Uh, uh, back on let's have a look here so i've asked you to recall a time of great time of great change in your life and what uh, emotions did it evoke for you can you can you tell us a little bit of sto- uh, that type of story uh, a time of great change yeah um let's see here uh recently actually i can recall and so uh i mentioned that i i started writing and so I have a writing coach. Um, but the reason I started writing is because growing up as a kid and being bullied uh, and the way that I took it was I internalized it. And I feel like sometimes when people um, live in lives of pain, they can act out uh, on it or, you know, maybe the, the opposite side of that coin is to internalize it. And so I was somebody that internalized it. And I never really talked about it uh, to the point where like my parents randomly bring it up sometimes. They're like, yeah, you, you, uh, you came home crying every day from school and your dad and I really struggled with it. And 
but you never wanted to talk about it and uh you didn't want to talk about it ever and so they bring it up and i i just i took it i took all that pain and i just like closed it in next to my heart and it didn't change how i cared to help people but it really brings a lot of pain internally for me and so writing is something that actually has helped me release it um and so when i first started writing and then i found um brian morgan who's incredible uh helping people dig deeper what i got out of it besides uh slowly becoming a decent writer is uh, being able to express my feelings um, because I wasn't somebody that could express them. And so I just started writing out how I felt about everything. I started writing about um, what it would have looked like if I uh, stood up for myself um, with friends, family, uh, any other situation that I felt like I just knelt down and took it and just left it how it was. And so I started writing about it and um, I slowly had this like feeling of like freedom. And, you know, freedom came for me when I decided to, to start businesses and stuff too. But this type of freedom is like, there's just nothing like it. Like there's nothing like opening up your, your heart and just letting, letting everything go. I mean, I, I, I told Brian, like, it's that moment where, and this is like a, a really simple example to think through, but like, it's that moment where like, do you walk around with your, with your uh, hands open, like your palms up, or are you somebody that walks around with your hands closed? And like, what I, what I was getting to that is like, I was always somebody that kind of lived with my hands closed because, you know, doing hot yoga, which has helped me open my hands and open myself to um, not only greatness in the world of, of doing things great, but also just being great, being the best version of myself. And so um, oddly enough, it comes with like moments of like tears and crying, but it's like crying joy. Like it's uh, I'm never really somebody that is an emotional crier, but I just started writing and I just started coming out and uh, it, it feels good. Uh, that's awesome, man. I mean, a lot, a lot of men struggle with uh, their emotions and understanding them, um, myself included. Um, and this is another reason for the podcast is I want to give men the ability to understand their emotions, uh, a resource so that they can turn to and think, okay, listen to this, and then you know, this is how this guy managed. So, so what was the, what was the feelings that was going on for you when you when you enclosed that inside? Was it yeah, anger? Um, I could finally, uh, finally let that in. Like finally, be grateful for what I had. And you know what I what I try and share with students and, and once a year, especially in the United States, which is like what I call Thanksgiving, right? And the kids laugh about it, but it's so true. Like the, you go through every day doing activities, this that, and so we never really take the time to just ground ourselves. And at that moment, when I was able to get my feelings out, I was able to build in a, a gratitude practice and just sit there and say, like, holy shit, like, my life is great. Like, I have a great uh, wife. I have uh, three amazing kids. I can um, coach their sporting programs. I can wake up and do something I love, uh, that even though it'll take a lot of time. And I just, 
you know, and I just, and I don't know if, I think it was Tony Robbins that constantly says like you, you can't be angry and grateful at the same time. And so there's so much power in that. I mean, just being grateful every morning just really allows you to do the best uh, that you possibly can every day. And, do you think you've ever been at the point where you would have struggled to see, to show or see the gratitude? Yeah. And I think it was because I was in a place of blaming others. Um, and, you know, it comes from a fixed mindset, but living in pain. And so this is like the ironic part, like you, while in the corporate world, um, I still had at that point, I think we had um, two, two of our boys and we have a, a great uh, house, you know, everything that you could ever dream of to, to live a good life and would still be depressed. And like, how can you be depressed with all that? It's, 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 it's crazy. And so I don't know if I wouldn't have sat down and, and did some self-reflection and, you know, decided to, to, to design my own life. Uh, would I have gotten to a point where I was grateful for what I had because I was living every day, um, blaming everything else, blaming the system, blaming the corporate office for not accepting my work. Um, you know, blaming life for not giving me more or whatever it was. And I, I was so fixated on that, that I don't know if I was ever going to get to a point of gratitude. And if I was going to get to a point of gratitude, it was going to be, it was going to be superficial. It was going to be somebody ask you to practice gratitude and you say, well, I'm thankful for you know my wife and my house and my car and, and don't really feel anything, right? That's, it's not real. And so I, I wrote a post on this too, because to feel it was when you asked yourself why, and you dedicate that time to yourself. Like I'm grateful for the uh, direct person in the moments during times where I give in. And so to really like feel that, like that is true. Like besides just thanking her for who she is, the truth behind being grateful is because who she is, that is powerful. Yeah, that and that is very similar. Yeah. Um, blaming others, I would look in. Why can't they just, that's not fair. All, all those types of things were, were constantly coming up my mouth and I, it didn't help me one bit until, have you seen the film, The Croods? Yes, yep. Have you seen Have you seen the bit where, uh, I don't know the dad's name, but he goes, in, in, the, in the film he says, what would Guy do, what would Guy do? And eventually he gets to the point where he says, what would I do? And that, that moment of, like, you can see it in his face and he, it, it's brilliant how they convey it. But it, it felt so powerful to me because I was like, I felt that. <laughs> that's, that's what it took for me to get to, to eventually say to myself, well, I've had enough of this. What am I going to do about it? Because yes. for, I waited for so long for my, my calling, for, for lack of a better word, to be gifted to me. Now, I don't even know where I got this from. Gifted to me from I don't know where. I don't know if I thought somebody was going to come and drop it in my lap or it would just be revealed to me. I don't even know how I got those beliefs, but that's where I was at, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's crazy. It's not going to drop in your lap. You've got to go after it. Like, you know, you've got to, and you've got to say, your, your emotions are signposts that lead you there. Yes. Yes. Would I, you, there was, uh, um, 
there, there's a there's a thing that I share in schools um, that I think hits home for a lot of people because what I say is like if you grow up um, your whole life and your parents or whoever tell you that you need to get good grades and then go to college so you can get a good job and so you spend your entire time working hard getting good grades going to college but then at the moment you step out of that auditorium with a certificate or diploma in your hand and you ask yourself, what's next? Like now what? You've been leading your entire life doing something that somebody else told you to do. And at, at, at no point have you actually asked yourself what life would look like if you designed it. And I said, this is where you need to think about those things because I'm not telling you don't work hard because working hard builds character. And I'm not telling you not to go to college, but I am telling you that if you go to college, have an idea about what college means. Like, are you going to college because you know that it's a powerful place to build relationships with people and you're going to focus on doing that? Or are you going to college because you want to be this awesome doctor and you know that this particular school helps you build the foundational skill sets to become a doctor and you're going to focus on that? Figure those things out because that will help you get to that point where life is not so much about what I am handed because I did X, but it's more about I did X. And so because of that, things are going to start to fall in line for me, whether that means people, resources and things. And so I hope that kids is even as early as middle school students start to just at least think about that. Mm-hmm. Think about designing their own future and start letting that mindset into their life. Yeah. You made me wonder then. When we say like, you know, do you want, I want to be a this or I want to be a that. We never really get asked for what purpose. Yes. You know, because yes. um, it's, it's the goal behind the goal that you're in pursuit of rather yep. than otherwise your identity is tied to status and that, that leads to its own problems. <laughs> you know, I had, uh, when I went through this exercise, um, it was a middle school student and she, I said, uh, tell me, tell me one thing you care about. And she said, swimming. I said, great. Why do you care about swimming? And she said, it makes me feel good and I can be myself. And I said, excellent. Take that with you into life. And I don't know what swimming looks like for you. I don't know if you want to be a professional swimmer someday or swim in college or swimming is just something you do every day because of those two reasons. But those two reasons are the exact thing you should think about when you start to design what your life looks like, yeah. how it makes you feel, and can you be yourself? And ask you ask yourself those two things. Do, do you know you said when you was in school and you was told that you're good at maths? I'll be respectfully your time won't keep you much longer. Um, <clears throat> would, would you ever like? Even even though you were said that you were good at maths, but you went to the public speaking course. Like for myself, I loved all the creative stuff, so woodwork, um, sewing, cooking, art, all those things. And then when I went to my jobs thing where they say, what are you going to do? I said, oh, I love all these things. And I did. I was even doing them in the house. Like, you know, it's, it, was, it was me. And, and somebody said, well, that's great. Well, you're going to be a teacher. But it was a it was a derogatory, throwaway comment. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, well, you can't do nothing with that other than being a teacher. And I was like, 
only reflecting back on it. Uh, so could, have you ever had an experience like that from when you was in school? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, well, I, I mentioned that I got a, a, a background in finance or finance degree, but um, I was constantly told that I should pick up accounting too because most finance people are CPAs. And so um, I started going down that path and then I stopped because I'm like, I don't even like accounting. Like why? I mean, I understand the foundation of it, but like, I, that's not, it doesn't make me feel good to do that. And that's not where I want to be. And so then I got into the corporate world and then I had a, a manager that was basically pushing me to that. She's like, all right, you know, here's your, here's the career path of where we're at. And, you know, so we think you know, CPA would be something attractable. So maybe you want to go and take the CPA exams and, and, because I was told that and she was a person in an authority. And at that point I had this mindset that, all right, this is where I'm going to be, right. I'm going to grow the corporate ladder and this is where I'm going to go. And then I started studying for the exams and like, I got to the second exam and I, I just, I had a moment and I was like, what the hell am I doing right now? Like this feels so wrong, even to the point where the company paid $3,000 for me to get to, to get these materials and go through this exam. And I walked in there and I said, I'm not doing this. And I said, if you want to charge me the 3000 that you guys gave me, then go ahead. But this doesn't feel right. And it was one year after that, when I told her that I was leaving that department. And so I don't know what factor finally kicked in for me that made me change my life towards, towards an area that, that I would love. But I don't know, like something, something internal just told me that don't listen to what they're telling you to do because it's not the truth. It's not what ha what reality has to be. I love that. I love that. I want to be respectful of your time, Troy. Um, and I know we've been going for an hour plus. Do you think um, you'd be up for a, a future show, come on the show? Because we're only halfway through the questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anytime. Anytime you want to bring it back. I'm always open. Okay. Well, like I say, um, I just want to thank you for sharing today and your vulnerability and openness. Yeah, you know, hopefully someone out there this will resonate with and, and, and they can understand and, and hopefully take something that they can then apply forward to their own and maybe pass on the sharing and the knowledge. So thank you, Troy. Appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Joel. I mean, what you're doing is great. You know, this actually does help people. Um, well, not only listeners, but I know it helps me. And I know you see power in that too. So appreciate it, man. Thanks, man. Thanks very much. Yeah, welcome. Have a great night, man. So, thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram, and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful, and professional people who feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging, and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit.